Please. That's all they are. Verdict, partly true. I think we can all agree with Salt and Pepper on that. Those lines don't even rhyme. Welcome to Up Yours Downstairs, the podcast that's been a naughty boy. I'm Kelly Anakin. And I'm Tom Schneider. We are properly married. Oh. There you go again. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to just state up front that this podcast is brought to you by Excedrin Tension Headache. Um, And tension itself. And tension itself (laughs) on so many levels. (laughs) How many can you count? (laughs) We want to hear your story. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, man. I wish, I guess I should do yoga or something. I'm just like so annoyed that it's like, oh yeah, like self-care. Right. Like boo. (sighs) Anyway. Yeah. That's not how either of us was raised. No, we were, it was, you know, (laughs) self-uncare. Yes. (laughs) It was like, oh, you feel bad? Well, try feeling worse. Right. That's, yeah, that's, (laughs) you know, they're just like, you know, stress is just sin leaving your body. Like. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Wow, that's going to stick with me. That's, that's a thought I'm going to be coming back to many, many times. <laughs> okay, anyway, uh, here we are, The Crown, Series 1, Episode six. 6. Yes, we're past the halfway point. You know, and we got a tweet this morning from somebody, like, apologizing for <laughs> recommending it. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I mean, we probably would have done it anyway. Like, yeah. it's just, you know, it's just too much... Yeah. Part of the zeitgeist, and now that we're free of our Edwardian shackles. Um, <laughs> Much like the monarchy itself. Right? Well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, but I, my response was it's no Titanic BS. Right. So, like, what do you want? Yeah, this is, you know, this this is not as good as I feel like people say or said that it was you know, but it's not bad I it's not feel like, like it was like this perfect storm of like this really horrible election cycle in america <laughs> and people just wanting to feel like something was fine <laughs> even though that's not even like what this is saying right um just that you could count on something yeah um or like having a leader who like thought about stuff occasionally, <laughs> like even though she's not really capable of critical thought. Right. Like she's, she at least knows she's supposed to look like she's thinking. Right. She's dumb, but she knows she's dumb. She does know she's dumb. That's that's so important. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Self awareness is key. Yeah. If you're dumb. Yeah. And if you're smart. Yeah. Just in just, general. Right. Just do it. Yeah. Be a self aware person. <laughs> here, here. Um, anyway, I thought this was like a really fun episode to watch, mm-hmm. but also I thought it was stupid. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, you know, I don't know what this show is about, man. Right. I, I mean, I think we've been struggling with that this whole time. Like, like what, what are you trying to say? Right. Why is show? <laughs> <laughs> what if dumb? <laughs> Um, cause I love, look, this is to me, Mm -hmm. I want every piece of pop culture that I consume to involve a secret romance (laughs) where people are like, you can't have a secret romance. And then other people being like, we're going to go outside (laughs) and you know, a a hawk flying ominously over that, you know, that's (laughs) right from a very young age. This was my whole jam. Yeah. You know? 
you know, and I don't know if it's a function of my mom forbidding me to read books <laughs> from the Babysitter's Club series that had boys' names in the title. Right. Um, <laughs> I don't, I was just all of, I was like, yeah, yeah. Like, let's do this, yeah. Marianne. So you were basically. Plus e- Logan. <laughs> you had a secret romance with those Babysitter Club's book. Man, sometimes I think about my life and I have to stop. <laughs> <laughs> Well, then what better time to talk about The Crown? Really? <laughs> it is the best time. Yeah. Uh, so this episode is called Jellignite. Yeah. Which I'm assuming is the thing that makes dynamite go? It is. It's an explosive. I think it's... Is it made of gel? <laughs> it is. It's like... Because I know there are explosive gels because that is why we cannot take liquids on planes no more. Right. Uh, and yes, it is jelly-like. Great. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's, well, I think we've covered it. That's that's about all I know. And if I knew more, I might end up on some kind of list. So I don't <laughs> really want to know anymore. <laughs> One of my friends bought a copy of the Anarchist Cookbook <laughs> so that only she would be put on the list of people who has bought it. And then she's just like passing it around all of our friends. <laughs> And I was supposed to give it to somebody else, and it's just been sitting in my apartment. And I, I have not even crap. I don't care. Yeah. Like, I don't know. All my friends are, like, prepping for, like, a doomsday scenario. Yeah. But I'm sticking with my plan to be slaughtered within, like, the first wave. Yeah. No, my, my manager at work is literally building a bunker. And I'm like, I don't, like... No, I don't want to your, live in a bunker. Your manager is only doing that because he also read that New Yorker article that I read about <laughs> all the tech bros getting LASIK <laughs> so that they can, like, survive in the apocalypse. And honestly, that just made me want to survive less. Because I was like, if, like, even in the apocalypse, the rich white guys are still going to be on top. Yeah. My God. Yeah. I mean, just my God. Mm-hmm. It's like the thought I had the other day of like, what if when we die, like we're not done and like we still have to go through personal growth. I was just like, I don't want it. <laughs> when do we get to be done? <laughs> At any rate. Yeah. <laughs> once again, I blame that on not being allowed to read the babysitter books with boys names in the title. <laughs> so parents. Yeah. Parents. All right, so we see a, uh, a crowd roaring and hooping Yes, as Liz and Mountbatten pass in a car. Liz yeah. seems like she's enjoying the spotlight. Yeah, and and, uh, and the crowd's applause looks kind of silly in slow motion. It does look very rid- – I don't think they're that excited. Like, they're British still, okay? Like, <laughs> right. they're not – we're not suddenly in, you know, America. Right. But uh, Liz is doing the, you know, like the half mm-hmm. wave. She's figured that out. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, no no royal waving elbow for After the Liz. After hours of lessons with her dancing master. <laughs> <laughs> Can you show me a game? <laughs> oh. <laughs> From the creators of The King's Speech, The Queen's Wave. <laughs> oh, my God. That would be the worst movie <laughs> Uh, we see old-timey TV coverage say that Liz and Mountbatten are attending the Coronation Derby. <laughs> I love this announcer that they got. He's yeah. so great. Um, the old-timey TV coverage kind of fades to an actual TV, which is being watched by Princess Margaret. Mm-hmm. And Group Captain Peter Townsend is there, and he remarks that there are half a million people at a race course, and her sister is the most famous woman in the world, thanks to the televised coronation. And Mar- 
Margaret says, yes, but I'm the luckiest. <laughs> P.S. I love Princess Margaret. She is my favorite. Yeah, she's, I'm, she's I'm right there a, with you. She's A, the prettiest. True. B, has the best clothes. <laughs> C, has the best boyfriend. Yeah. So, like, she definitely wins yeah. this series in terms of, like, she is, she's luckier than, than Elizabeth. Yeah, she, like, she is luckier than Elizabeth. Granted, some shit happens in this episode that's not so great. Right. But Princess Margaret's life is still pretty dope. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we find out that they are planning to go to Rhodesia for an official visit that she's saying, oh, it's our like secret lover's vacation. And he's like, bitch, please. <laughs> you know, this is like an official visit and like, I'm just going to be there. Right. And anyway, but whatever. She's like, she's riding high on the fact, you know, he's gotten divorced. Yeah. They're like together, together. Mm-hmm. He's hanging out at her apartment. Yeah. Like she's, oh man, she just chain smokes so much. <laughs> D, she gets to chain smoke <laughs> as much as she wants. <laughs> Yeah. No, and I was, because I didn't really have a sense of what the relationship was like going into this episode in mm-hmm. terms of him just hanging out at her place yeah, and that not yeah. being a problem. So, yeah. No, I really, you know, and I really like the relationship as portrayed. It seems yeah. like they have a good dynamic together. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they seem like they get along. Yeah. I'm I'm pro, what's, what would their portman Toby? Uh, group Captain Peter Margaret? <laughs> no, Group Captain Princess Margaret. <laughs> <laughs> There we go. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> uh, so we see a reporter telling his editor that he's got a story. Okay. On second watch, I fucking hated this part. Like, so, like, this is whole thread. Yeah. I was like, why are we doing this? Like, come on, Peter Morgan. Like, I know we have to, like, explore the, the <laughs> reasons that the British tabloid media became the worst. Right. And you still probably, he's like, oh, and I'm planting seeds so that will drive people back to the queen. <laughs> yeah. But like, oh my God, this is just, uh. I definitely, definitely had some Selfridge flashbacks with this. And I'm, I'm like, I don't know if it's that I just feel poisoned <laughs> right. by, by Mr. Selfridge. We've just watched and enough like period pieces that feature newsroom drama. Right. Like, and it's just Wednesday Adams all over again. Oh, my God. And his editor looks just like Wednesday Adams. (laughs) He's Wednesday Adams Jr. That's right. Fun story about my childhood. (laughs) When the Adams Family movie came out, there was a girl in my class who, like, was convinced that, like, the old TV show of the Adams Family was Wednesday Adams, and then, sorry, Wednesday Adams. Right. <laughs> and then in the movies, that was Wednesday Adams Jr. Because, like, we were, like, trying to, like, create a skit, like, based uh-huh. on the Adams Family for a talent show. And she, like, kept insisting that there had to be, like, a Pugsley and a Pugsley Jr. <laughs> and a Wednesday and a Wednesday Jr. Right. Anyway, yeah. eventually we talked her out of it, but man. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, this isn't Saved by the Bell, the new class. This is <laughs> don't even don't even get me started on Tori. <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah, back to the newsroom. Uh, the editor doesn't want any more about the royal family. So much of business, apparently, at this time consisted of people just walking around halls, handing papers to other people. I mean, there wasn't any internet. That I, was the internet. <laughs> I understand. It was giving people papers and pictures of naked ladies. (laughs) Um, And so the the story is that – oh, and they're also uh, having a drink because it's almost lunchtime. I wow yeah sobriety has really changed my interactions <laughs> with pop culture because like if I had seen this when I was still drink I would have been like oh great I'm fine yeah. because these <laughs> newspaper men in the fifties are drinking. Before- <laughs> Granted, I rarely would drink before noon. 
Uh, you know, brunch. Right. Well, yeah. I'm not you would really, stone. You would rarely drink before noon at work. Yes. <laughs> I would sometimes drink before five at work. <laughs> yeah. But I maintain that that was a culture thing. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Silicon Valley. Everybody's, that's the thing. Yeah. Like, what people aren't, like, it's really underreported how drunk everyone is in Silicon Valley. I can attest yeah. to that. Yeah. Like, like it's kind of like, uh, and again, you know, this is not about present company. Right, but like, right. The longer that I'm sober, I'm like, humanity as a whole, <laughs> maybe we don't need this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, humanity apparently disagrees. Oh, humanity very much disagrees, and I am not. I'm not going to yeah. die on that hill. Oh, like, sure. I don't look. Yeah. I got yeah. my own problems. Right. Namely, I wasn't allowed to read babies <laughs> books with boys' names in the title. Yeah. So yeah, the big story is that Princess Margaret picked a bit of fluff off of Group Captain Peter Townsend's uniform. The editor is like, uh, what? Huh? Um, but. Because the- he's like, I'm not holding the front page. <laughs> and I'm like, nor should you. <laughs> right. Because then he gets browbeaten into doing that very thing. Right. And I'm like, who? Quit letting this guy wag the dog, After man. After pointing out various more important things, such as like the death of Stalin, etc., <laughs> which arguably more important, but death of Stalin, piece of fluff. <laughs> death of Stalin, piece of fluff. But uh, that is how the news has always worked. <laughs> <laughs> For more information, see season five of The Wire. Except, don't. <laughs> For even more information, see season four of <laughs> Mr. Selfridge. But especially, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Listen to our podcast if you must. Right, uh, we you know we like the downloads. Yeah, it makes, we, it makes us feel good. We do. It gives us a little a little charge. Uh, so yeah, the Bill, the reporter, talks him into it, and I do like his demonstration of like the pig. Yes, because I'm like, oh yeah. yeah, like he's totally right. Like, yeah, that is a very weird thing to do. Yeah, to a person. Yeah, because the editor is like gets up out of his chair yeah. and backs away. What the hell are you doing? You know. Yeah, no, that was good. Um, yeah, so the editor says to make sure it's peppery, make sure it pops. Which I love. Yeah. But like, I'm like, why, you know, does Bill have something over on this editor? Like, why is he, why is he able to do this apart from narrative economy? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, he, I mean, it might just be that he's a good reporter that's broken a bunch of stories yeah. and, you know, any other tabloid would hire him in a second, you know, yeah. that sort of thing, so... At any rate, uh, I have decided to christen this editor, Editor Fluff, <laughs> much like Citizen Snips <laughs> from Futurama. And I'm naming Bill, Bill the Lizard like in Alice in Wonderland <laughs> sure. because he just is so lizardy. He is a bit and he looks familiar and he's been in several things that I've seen in, that we've seen, including Suffragette and the first season of Black Mirror and Who something else. Who was he in else. Suffragette? A uh, government minister. I was like, some man. <laughs> <laughs> he was playing a man, Some yes. man denying everyone to vote? <laughs> yeah, that was his deal. Um, but I can't tell if I actually recognize him from any of those things, because okay. none of the none of the parts, like, yeah, anyway. Outside, somewhere. I, <laughs> like, all, they have all these establishing shots of the various palaces. Yeah. And if they don't show Buckingham Palace, like, full on, I have no fucking clue. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't recognize Buckingham Palace, personally. Yeah. I would Even like, that. That's a like, nice I'm not saying that I would, like, I wouldn't, like, stake my life on recognizing <laughs> it, but. So, uh, Princess Margaret asks. Her, Basically, the only building in Britain that I would recognize is Downton Abbey at this point. Big Ben. You'd recognize Oh, Big yeah. Ben. That's true. Parliament. Okay. Um. So Princess Margaret asks the switchboard operator to connect her to Liz, and there's a whole rigmarole <laughs> that is way more fun to watch than it is to describe. Yeah, and it's so it's like 
Because there's this, like, doddering old man that's like, oh, somebody's calling the royal, you know, her highness. And he's like, oh, okay, let me dodder over here to connect this. And he's the only one who can do this for some reason. What was your job before the telephone, man? I'm sure that his, like, great-great-grandfather was, you know, George III's, like, secretary of the... Letter opener? Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's like, and this is what it's come down to. But it's just like, anybody else in the kingdom can get connected pretty quickly. But if you're if you're the royal family, you have to wait for some old guy to daughter across the room to get connected. So stupid. Yeah. With us holding a special handset that he yeah. keeps at his desk. Oh my god. Yeah. So the phone finally rings at Buckingham Palace for a lady scrubbing the floor. Uh-huh. Uh and a butler directs the call to the breakfast room where Liz is, and she picks up and says, Hello, you <laughs> or Oh, yeah, because yeah. they say Princess Margaret for yeah, yeah, yeah. Her Majesty. I was like, how did she know? They didn't have caller ID. <laughs> Except they did. <laughs> they did. It was called Servants. And this is, I like this scene because we get much more of a sense of the rapport between Margaret and Liz than we have previously. Yeah. And we, I'm like, oh, okay, they're people. Yeah. With a relationship to each other, which we have not seen at all. And it's, you know, reminiscent of the scene where we saw Margaret uh, singing at the piano with King Lake mm-hmm. Price. It's very mm-hmm. uh, it's affecting. Yeah, it is. And it sets up the, you know, deterioration of that relationship mm-hmm. over the episode. So, so uh, speaking of, <laughs> Margaret wants to have dinner with Philip and Liz and Peter. Peter, and, Peter. Yeah. <laughs> and it's very awkward because, like, with everything that Margaret keeps saying, Liz just keeps Britishing, oh. <laughs> and Margaret's very upset. Like, she yeah. keeps telling her to stop doing it, and yeah. Liz just keeps saying, oh. <laughs> she can't help it. And then it's revealed that Peter's been there, like, listening to Margaret's end of the conversation the whole time, mm-hmm. and then she puts his hand on her crotch. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't need to see this. <laughs> like, for some reason, like, I'm just like, I don't. I know what you and mean. And I know people have been having sex forever. <laughs> that's <laughs> but for that's some, literally true. But for some reason, I'm like, hey, <laughs> I don't need to see people having sex at any time before the year of my birth. <laughs> for some reason, that's just a bridge too far for me. <laughs> um, but so Liz, finally, you know, she agrees because Mummy's going to be out on Thursday. Yeah. So they can all have dinner without Mummy being around, which, to be fair, their mom is kind of a bitch. <laughs> um, <laughs> And uh, Liz gets in one final, oh, awful. like she hangs up the phone and she's like, oh, no, because <laughs> yeah. uh, she's realized things have apparently gotten serious. Things between are old, happening. Yeah, group captain, Princess Margaret. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, so Mountbatten and his friend. His great escape friend, whose name I will clearly never learn. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they show up at some crap club and this club. Boy, oh boy. Can I just say that I love that we call these crap clubs? Like, every time that it's come up since we established crap club, like... Yeah. Each more crap than the last. Yeah, for real. So, yeah. So there's scantily dressed by 1950s standards, cocktail waitresses passing things around. And some fat dude in a suit introduces uh, Tony Longden. Who you may know as Sir Hallam from Upstairs, Downstairs, the new class. <laughs> the new batch. The new batch. I prefer the new batch. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, and he is actually playing a very similar role here as, uh, you know, actually kind of sensible government person. In, in, in this, this scene is so ridiculous because he's like, okay, you guys, there's this serious problem here. And they're like, boo. <laughs> and then he's like, naked ladies! Yeah. Yay! Yay! 
Yeah, but it's so he has to like they're like children. He's like the, he has to like humor them and cajole them and all this sort of thing just to get across the fact that uh everybody in Egypt hates them. Yeah, but see, I thought it was a very different role in Sir Hallam because Sir Hallam's view would have been way less like pro-colonial, I feel. Well, I mean, and I may be no, extrapolating I, too far from his character. I mean, right. he did kiss Lady Persephone <laughs> for no apparent reason. <laughs> right. But like, yeah, no, I mean, I, I guess this guy is very clearly like, hey, uh, fuck you guys. They're going to come for us. Yeah. Um, you know, me personally, I'm very clearly like pro these Egyptian rebels. Right. He's like, here's this hotel, a symbol of colonial rule. And then it, he like cuts to the next slide and it's like rubble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, well, and I just meant more that not necessarily his views, but just sort of his, his, his relationship to other people. I yeah. Um, and I would also say just randomly about Egypt that there's a book from a previous Egyptian revolution that's on open source project Gutenberg. Uh, that's just a guy who was working for the British and just got super on the Egyptian side. It was like the 1880s, would I you think. you say he got woke? <laughs> he did. He, he got act- proto woke. He definitely did get woke and he wrote a whole story about, uh, the Egyptian rebellion that's, that's actually a really interesting and good book. So check it out. It's free. What's it called? I, it's like a really basic title, like a like uh, history of the, the Egyptian revolt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's something like that. Um, and, you know, maybe I'll post a link or something. Who knows? We could do it on our Patreon. Oh, we could. We could do any number of things on our Patreon. We could. We're and going to will. do it. We will. Yeah. No, we have very specific plans. Quit dogging me, yo. <laughs> No one's dogging us, by the way. <laughs> yeah. You've really, all been real patient. Yeah. As I adjust to having a job again. Right. <laughs> we have been dogging ourselves uh, with little success so far. Uh, so we have Mountbatten and Great Escape Friend arriving back at Buckingham Palace, stinking drunk. Mm-hmm. They tip one of the doormen, and it's just like so rude and disrespectful. Yeah. And he's like, don't tell my wife. And I'm like, you are the worst person yeah also driving very drunk yes yeah well i just you know yeah that- first, okay here's things that i tolerate in the 1950s driving drunk mm-hmm. things that i don't tolerate in the 1950s anyone being sexual <laughs> 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 i'm not saying it's right yeah uh so liz they're upstairs they're getting dressed and liz asks where he was and he says that it wouldn't interest her uh it was a lunch club aka a white supremacist club mm-hmm and Liz says, oh, <laughs> she just, that's her whole thing. Yeah. Um, he says it was just men. There's this weird thing that goes on between them where it's like he, he always assumes that her issue with him like being out is about him maybe being out like chatting up other women. Right. And I don't know that that's not part of it, but it's more like, why are you always going places and like not telling me shit? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's awkward. Yeah. And uh, also, and I mean this in real life, he definitely cheated on her occasionally, right? Like, I mean, men did. Yeah. I'm, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I'm confident that one time or another he found himself with a cocktail waitress that, yeah. you know, was unable to say no. Yeah. Anyway, uh, 
so basically she accuses them of all talking about women and then he smugs that they were talking about uh you know civil unrest the world over and he does that thing where he gets up on his high horse and yeah. he's like oh you know i know everything because i was part of a monarchy that was toppled <laughs> right which is like oh again like i'm like you totally have a point but i fucking hate you yeah and also come on dude that was 60 seconds of your meeting yeah like and, you know, and then he's like, oh, and, you know, over coffee and the odd brandy, yes, the fairest sex was discussed. And I'm like, you were just looking at nudies. <laughs> nudies! <laughs> That's all they are! <laughs> boobies, boobies, boobies. <laughs> I did fine without them. <laughs> God, I want a hedgehog named Neely O'Hara so much. <laughs> I know. It's okay. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I have to reassure myself about that on this podcast. This is just my mental state right now. Brought to you by Exception Tension Headache. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Liz looks annoyed. And this is just, you know, but again, you know, she wanted a normal marriage in the 1950s. And yeah. this is part of it, I assume. Yeah. I'm, um, yeah. You know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know how marriages in the 50s worked. I presume they were all real unpleasant. Yeah, that's my understanding. Uh, so, yeah, they're heading out, and he asks who they're eating with, and Liz says, oh, it's just Margaret and Peter. And he's like, uh, what? Peter? Peter, Peter? <laughs> yeah. Her? <laughs> <laughs> It's like an inversion of that, though, because he's so clearly like a better human being than all of these fuckers. Yeah. And so he balks and he asks if Peter's been a naughty boy. And so that led me to feel like he knew about their relationship and thought maybe he had like gotten Margaret knocked up or something. Mm. But we later find out that he didn't know about it. Yeah. So it's like very weird. Yeah. But. Yeah. Uh, So we see Margaret checking the window. Nice. Stunning gown. Mm-hmm. It's like gold. <laughs> and I'll say, I was going to do a fashion backwards, uh, mm-hmm. but I have had this headache since yesterday. Yeah. And both the headache and Excedrin uh, tension headache <laughs> make it virtually impossible to focus on anything. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to be covering fashion of the 1950s in much more detail next week. But man, I love this gown. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and group Captain Peter Townsend reassures her that everything is going to be fine. And it's really cute, too, because it's like, she's like a child, like, oh my gosh, like, my sister's here. Yeah. It's very human. Mm-hmm. Uh, At dinner, uh, Margaret dismisses the staff who are, like, pouring shit. They're, they're, like, mid-pour, and yeah. like, trying to finish, and she's like, go! Yeah. And I'm like, you know, uh, this could all be solved with a little revolution. Yeah. And um, the staff are clearly like, oh, so there's something we should eavesdrop on then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Mountbatten just tucks into his soup, but apparently, like, too early, because, like, nobody else is eating, and then he's like, oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I'm like, he can just eat his soup. Yeah. Let him, let him eat. He can eat and listen. Maybe he can't. <laughs> like, years and years of inbreeding, you know? Uh, he slurps so it so loud, it just ruins the conversation. Margaret launches into a speech that she's clearly been preparing for, like, a couple years. Yeah. Uh, if you've ever been on the receiving end of a speech such as this, <laughs> you will know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So she says that, you know, uh, since, you know, Peter has been so much a part of their lives and particularly since Papa's death hit her so hard, a friendship has developed between them. <laughs> <laughs> I just wrote LOL. <laughs> and now they're pretty much sole companions and they have decided they want to get married at some point. Yeah. Well, is she... 
she can't bring herself to say married, so Liz finally does. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, group captain Peter Townsend looks like really uncomfortable, but then he's like very encouraging and it's mm. very cute. Yeah. Um, so Margaret then assures Liz that she knows about all the, you know, potential complications with, uh, group captain Peter Townsend being a divorcee. You know, mm-hmm. nobody likes, uh, Wallace Simpson. Uh, Mountbatten, uh, rather rudely asks if group captain Peter Townsend's wife knows. Yeah. Uh, I forget if it's here or later that somebody like, is like ex-wife. Yeah. Um, but he says that, you know, they've talked about it and things seem to be okay. Mm-hmm. They've told. They his, had a very frank conversation. Yes. Uh, he told her what was what. <laughs> and they've told the children and they seem happy about it. I'm like, it's Britain. How could you possibly know? <laughs> um, Margaret, you know, then after they're like, oh, you know, his family doesn't seem like they're going to have a problem with it. So Margaret's like, do I have your permission as sovereign? Liz is shocked Mm -hmm. because apparently she doesn't know anything about her job. (laughs) Um, So she says, well, of course, I have to take advice, (laughs) but of course I won't oppose it. Not if it's what you want, which is very nice. It is very nice. I'm like, oh, you know, she's she's like, oh, you know, here is a person I care about. They want to think (laughs) I am the queen. They could have the thing if I am the queen. You know, she's she's really putting two and two together and getting four (laughs) instead of five. Margaret is just thrilled, and I'm sure this is going to go off without a hitch. Yeah, I mean, I'm not why bother with the rest of the episode, yeah, really. Yeah, you know, it seems like it's going to be fine. Uh, Mountbatten tells group captain Peter Townsend to call him Philip from now on. Yeah. And, you know, everybody's all handshakes, and everybody's very happy. Yeah, which I was... I was actually expecting Mountbatten to, like, be pricklier, yeah. like, through this. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, he can be very, you know, yeah. charming and sociable when he wants. You know, I reread that article about sociopath children this morning. <laughs> I was like, I wonder if he's one. <laughs> <laughs> what a great idea God, to read that. that article. I love that article. I just, I'm, I don't know why it comforts me in these dark times. It was written in 2012. I think I've read it, like, seven times. <laughs> I get it's like the royal we. I yeah. get something new out of it every time. <laughs> so in the car on the way home, uh, we realized that Mountbatten had no idea about Group Captain Princess Margaret. Yeah, and he's very. You know, I would be mad. Yeah, like well, and I mean, and Liz specifically said that she didn't know any more than he did, which I yeah 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 like <laughs> right, I don't because- know. Maybe he had his suspicions, but like. She definitely knew that something was up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, and she probably knew that it was, this was going to be what was coming, you know, yeah. this was going to be the topic. But well, she because didn't, she said, oh. Right. But she didn't officially know that, so that yeah. part's fine. Well, and she is dumb. Yeah. So, <laughs> potato, potato. I suppose, I suppose she's inviting him to talk about flying for some reason. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so he doesn't like it. He says it will create a scandal, uh, and that he's too old for Margaret, and, uh, also had a breakdown during the war. <gasps> yeah. I mean, if you didn't have a breakdown in the war, then you're definitely a sociopath. <laughs> yeah. yeah, especially in the RAF. That was a tough gig. Yeah. Um, he also says that, uh, Group Captain Peter Townsend is dull, and that he's meant more interesting plants. I think that's kind of unfair on fad but at (laughs) the same time i have not seen him be particularly interesting right the most interesting thing that he's done uh that limerick (laughs) the second most interesting thing that he's done is let margaret put his hand on her crotch yeah so yeah so uh 
Verdict, partly true. <laughs> um, and uh, Yeah, but Liz says, one can see the attraction. And he is pissed. Yeah. Like, he wasn't just looking at naked ladies <laughs> with, like, snakes on them and stuff. Right. And, like, as, you know, to quote Red Scott, mm-hmm. everybody wants to fuck group Captain <laughs> Peter Townsend. Uh, that's pretty much the thesis of this episode. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, and... But I mean, that's the thing. Like, women love a dull. Like, that's what's weird is men never understand why women might be attracted to a dull man, mm, mm-hmm. even though they are perennially attracted to dull, you know, women. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you know, if you want someone to be a sex object, right? You don't want like a whole bunch of talkings to get in the way of that. Yeah. Well, like in the uh, you know the Ghostbusters episode or movie uh, episode. <laughs> oh I was, my god! Yeah. Yes. I was oh, thinking of both that Hemsworth. Yeah. <sighs> so handsome. I was and thinking stupid. <laughs> Real stupid. <laughs> I was thinking of both that and the Sex Idiot episode of 30 Rock. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I mean, man, I don't feel like that Ghostbusters movie gets enough credit specifically for being mediocre. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. People act like the first Ghostbusters movie was like transcendent for some reason. Yeah. I also read this really great like series of tweets about how the alt right grew out of like uh gamer culture mm-hmm. and it's basically just nihilism gamified mm-hmm. and I was like this is so accurate. Yeah. But like I you know I didn't want to go into that Ghostbusters movie with it making some kind of serious statement. Right. I just wanted to go see a bunch of women capturing ghosts and being <laughs> fucking awesome yeah and that's what i got out of it yeah like i had a good time it yeah. wasn't perfect there but it was it was a comedy and there was plenty of solid laughs in it and yeah and some you know busting of various ghosts anyway like, that's my hot take <laughs> right on a movie from last <laughs> summer which we are talking about in this podcast about the crowd <laughs> look we've really got it all there's something for everyone <laughs> Except possibly the alt right. Um, oh yeah, there's definitely nothing for them here. <laughs> uh, they think this podcast should be called "Cuck Yours" downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! <laughs> be a new series on our Patreon. <laughs> um. Yeah, it'd be like this this uh this basketball writer Ethan Strauss who has Radio Ethan where he just goes on podcasts and does like like over the top sports talk radio ridiculous hot takes. <laughs> That's fun. Yeah. Um anyway, uh Liz says that Group Captain Peter Townsend is the blameless party in the divorce. Uh and Philip says there's no such thing as a blameless party in a divorce. That I don't agree with. I also don't agree that he was blameless in the divorce. Yeah, I agree with you on both counts. Yeah. Because I'm like, uh... Well, and particularly, you know, they're clearly in this conversation meaning two completely different things when they say blameless. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's saying, you know, in the eyes of the law, this is what was said. Mm-hmm. He's saying it takes two for a marriage to not work out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, anyway. Yeah. You know, again, I hate it when this show makes me agree with him. It drives me fucking crazy. Yeah. Um, 
I do think, yeah, I mean, there can be a blameless party in a divorce. I don't think that about our particular divorce, but there are people I know who have been blameless Oh, yeah. Party. Well, I mean, I think, you know, if you're in, like, an abusive relationship, you know, right. there's, there's exactly. plenty. But, I mean, it was the 50s. Nobody thought there was any such thing as an abusive relationship. That, so, yeah, that is true. You know, this is a particular instance of old-timey people not knowing stuff that I'm not going to hold them accountable for. Yeah, that's fair. Just this one time. <laughs> Yeah, Liz says that she thought that Mountbatten liked group captain Peter Townsend, uh, but he says he only thinks that he did well in the war and plays bridge well. Okay. You don't think that he did well in the war. Right. Because you just said that. Yeah. He plays bridge well? You're the dull one. You're the one who's dull. He taught you how to fly a plane. He sure did. He got you. You're goddamn... You're only mad at him now because he is somehow threatening you yeah. in a way that like, you you have literally already won <laughs> like in in the sense of british society being a thing that you could marry your way to the top in mm-hmm. you have already done it yeah like i understand you know i will cite the musical evita <laughs> uh you know as so you so often do i always do <laughs> uh what happens now? Where do you go from here? For someone on top of the world, the view is not exactly clear. A shame you did it all at 26. <laughs> I don't know how old he was when he married Liz. But like the point, yeah. you, you, you know, you, you beat the final boss. Yeah. There's nothing left for you to do. Yeah. The, and you actually, the princess is in this castle. You yeah. found her. You win. You did it. <laughs> Good job, Toad. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, there's a way to handle that gracefully. Uh, I think Dave Grohl is an example yeah. of somebody who has beaten every boss. And he's just like, ah, you know what? I'm pretty cool. Just like hanging out, occasionally yeah. making music, having my kids, yeah. doing the occasional ripping South by Southwest <laughs> keynote address. <laughs> you know, there's plenty of people who can succeed gracefully. Yeah. And he is just not one of them. Yeah. And it is so annoying that we have to spend so much time with him. <laughs> yes. I can only imagine how Liz feels. <laughs> and so now we do see them sleeping in separate beds. Yeah. I mean, I've always imagined, like, if this was your situation, you know, there would be nights where you would sleep together and nights where you would sleep apart. Yeah. It's, again, just a thing that I don't have any context for. Right. Yeah. Cousins, do you sleep in a separate bed from your partner? If so, we want to hear your story. I really do, actually. Yeah. I think for a lot of people, it's a snoring thing. Yeah, that's... Yeah. I mean, there's... It, there are studies that you sleep better alone than with a partner, like, apart from snoring or whatever. I know, but like cuddling. I know. Cuddling's great. It is. We are unabashedly pro-cuddling. That is right. So, Bill the Lizard... Uh, types and smokes in his newspaper office and then he makes a phone call and we see him walking into editor fluff's office he has handed the story to editor fluff who says that he can't publish this it's jellic night <laughs> and he has to run the story past his boss upstairs bill the lizard is very put out yeah and, and, and his editor's like live in the real world for a no, second it, it, yeah he's yeah. like he's got to run it past the owner because that's who pays his salary yeah yeah so you know the British Lord, who is their publisher, uh, says that this story breaks all the rules. Uh, Editor Fluff says that rules have changed when they televised the coronation, and also says that if they don't break the story, somebody else will. Other people are sniffing around it. Which we have no evidence as the audience to confirm or deny. Right. Which makes me feel like he is bluffing. I mean, presumably at some point somebody would sniff around this particular story. Mm-hmm. Uh but I, you know, I just yeah. didn't see any evidence. That no, that's actually. I mean, I, I, 
that didn't occur to me, but mm-hmm. it could, yeah, that could be true. And I mean, to that end, I really do admire him for pushing his own agenda mm-hmm. and saying, I'm the one on the ground. You're yeah. just some poncy lord yeah. who is out of touch with the real people. <laughs> As we see in the next scene, <laughs> yeah. because we cut to Lord Fluff uh, <laughs> telling Tommy LaMustache about the story. And Tommy LaMustache is not here for this fake-ass warning. Mm-hmm. He basically says, oh, terrible for you to be dictated to by an employee. <laughs> and, like, I don't like Tommy LaMustache's point of view. Right. But I have a lot of respect the man gets results. He does. I think he's the single most effective character on the show. Well, it's just so... Like, his... if we were literally tallying, like, victories, mm-hmm. he wins practically every time. Yeah, that's true. Um, but group captain Peter Townsend is his kryptonite. Yeah, it's true. Um, he really hates him. Yeah. But he, he keeps getting in there. Yeah. Um, um, but just, just... And just the way he... His his flat stare mm-hmm. when he's angry at somebody is just really, like... I mean, again, if you have a child who's a sociopath, <laughs> they could do worse than growing up to be Tommy the Mustache. <laughs> yeah, raise I them just, to have a mustache. I just want those kids to be okay. <laughs> I know, Kelly. There's nothing we can do for them right I now. I know, they could use their horrible <laughs> powers for good. <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, you know, and Lord Fluff, you know, Lord Fluff is a great example of the way that society is changing mm-hmm. in that, you know, people don't care that... Yeah. There is this sort of unspoken, hands-off attitude. Yeah. And again, and I don't know what Peter Morgan's view is. Right. Because as we all know, tabloid journalism killed Princess Diana. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but there's the exchange in here where he's like, uh, you know, the publisher says, I can't keep telling my editor what to write. And mm-hmm. La Mustache is like, I thought that was the point of owning a newspaper. But it isn't. Yeah. Like, you know. Well. I mean. <laughs> right. It can be, but it, you know. There's there's a whole different point to owning a newspaper that Lord Fluff seems to recognize. Tyler Mustache must have just loved William Randolph Hearst. <laughs> so, uh, okay, I really like this next scene, and I don't know if I understand why. Okay. But um, we see that Orpheus in the Underworld starts playing as Tommy the Mustache is girding himself for <laughs> battle. And we see, like, Princess Margaret's apartments at the palace. And I don't think there's still... Orpheus in the other world does not involve can-can music, right? I don't think so. I have no idea. <laughs> anyway, but she is... That would be... That That was actually in The Legend of Orpheus when he goes down and he plays <laughs> to the underworld. That, that was what he played. <laughs> and they were like, oh my. All the harpies were in the kick line. <laughs> <laughs> so she's partying to this classical music. Yeah. And I don't think group captain peter townsend is there it's just like I, yeah. her and a bunch of other male friends I'm yeah like, this bitch is like living my best life <laughs> um so they're all getting wasted and smoking cigarettes and listening to <laughs> classical music yeah uh and margaret sees a uh, terminal buzzkill tommy la mustache walking past her open door like, if I was having yeah. a party celebrating my secret affair potentially going public, I think I'd at least close the door. <laughs> anyway, but he, like, catches her eye. And she's like, oh, close that door <laughs> to one of her boys. Yeah. And uh, Tommy the Mustache uh, goes in to see the Queen Mum and tell her about the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the paper apparently is going to run a sidebar on famous divorcees and their connection to the royal family, yeah. which is as good as name-checking Wallace Simpson. Indeed. But he knows that it makes her get all 
puffy. <laughs> yeah. Well, and also, um, in, in actually the reporter said to editor Fluff that every time a divorce gets involved, it leads to reformation or abdication, referring to not just Wallace Simpson, but also Henry VIII. Yes. So, God, these people are so dumb. Um, don't let your past dictate your future. I learned that in rehab. And we see the queen mum's face just twitch through like 17 different emotions. Like it is hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she wonders if they should deny it. And Tommy the mustache says, actually, there's no point in denying anything. Yeah. So, uh, they're in a, they're in quite the bucket of syrup. <laughs> that they are. Uh, so there's a knock on Margaret's door. It's her wake-up person. Uh, her wake-up person presumably used to rousing a hungover Margaret. God, she's really living my best life. <laughs> um, I, I don't think you're supposed to think that. Listen, man. <laughs> I'm allowed to do what I want. That's fine. It's, it's your life. Feel how I want. Say what I want. I just can't drink. Yeah. I can be nostalgic. There's one rule. <laughs> uh... Yeah, so Liz is calling and has worked out that Margaret and Peter could get married legally in the Church of Scotland rather than the Church of England. I didn't even know there was a Church of Scotland. Yeah, I mean, it's, they have, you know, it was one of the causes of the Civil War was their insistence on keeping their own, uh, church and religion. And actually, they also attempting to impose it on England, mm-hmm. uh, because they had the better military at the beginning of the war. And so they forced the parliamentarians to agree that they would, Scotland would support them against the king, and then they would agree to institute Presbyterianism across the whole country. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then it turned out the parliamentary army got a lot better, and they said, uh, fuck off, Scotland, we're not going to do that. Oh, so Scott, Scots are Presbyterians, mm-hmm. and the British are Anglican. Yeah. And then, of course, there's the Catholics. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, poor Catholics. Um, if only they had a young pope. <laughs> <laughs> Young Pope, get out of my mind. I, I can't stop singing that, man. I know. It's so great. Um, yeah, my favorite text, though, of the last week was when I said that I didn't know that there was a Church of Scotland to you, and you're like, well, if you had read dozens of books on the English Civil War. <laughs> yep. And as I said, I'd prefer to outsource that to you so that we have a resident expert. I think that was a good call. Um yeah, so, uh, yeah, we see the Queen Mom stalking by in the hallway, um, and Margaret apologizes to Liz for being difficult, uh, but Liz says that she is determined to give Margaret what she wants. Well, we've certainly seen Liz stand her ground on so many occasions. Yeah, and uh, she always gets her way. Oh, yeah, she definitely always gets her way. <laughs> so That's the- why her last name is Mountbatten. <laughs> Sick burn. <laughs> Uh, so the queen mum arrives at Beham Palace and she stalks in again to see Liz in just a wrath. Yeah. She is just beside herself and she comes in and says that she loves her daughters equally and they have equally big problems. And I'm like, I don't even think that makes any goddamn sense. <laughs> one of them is married to Philip Mountbatten, who's a raging dick. <laughs> the other one is getting sweet, sweet dick from Captain Peter Townsend. Yeah. That's look. way less of a problem yeah margaret's got 99 problems but dick ain't one (laughs) the queen mum says they have to protect liz uh and they've cut to tommy the mustache has come in or Mm, they've gone i don't know whatever whatever. um they have to protect liz from the scandal uh which tommy the mustache and the queen mum are convinced could destroy the monarchy yeah and i'm like you know 
what, guys? Honestly, if a stiff breeze can destroy <laughs> this monarchy, maybe you don't need it anymore. Yeah. Did you ever think of that? Well, that, that it, they would lose their jobs. <laughs> they don't even have jobs. Their whole jobs are this next conversation, which is so fucking ridiculous. So Tommy the Mustache starts in on the Royal Marriages Act of 1772, which Liz is like, George the second, and he says, the third, ma'am. And I'm like, fuck you, dude. Yeah. You've been doing this way longer than she has. <laughs> So he says that uh, George III had two younger brothers, one who was married to an illegitimate shrew, the other to a disreputable jade. And I'm like, since when are we quoting Shakespeare in official policy? So basically, what came out of this... What's, and what's the difference between a shrew and a jade, for that matter? Uh, a shrew is a bitch, and a jade is a slut. <laughs> All right. Again, going back to uh, the musical Evita, there's a whole song <laughs> called Dangerous Jade ah. about Evita sleeping her way into Juan Perón's affections. <laughs> um, anyway, their enormous age difference, IRL, I'm like, I don't, I don't think. Anyway, yeah. look, yeah. don't even, don't even get me started. If I knew how to not get you started on Evita, I would do it. <laughs> <laughs> So basically what the Royal Marriages Act of 1772 did was require anyone, I think any member of the royal family Mm -hmm. under the age of 25 has to secure the sovereign's permission to marry. So if Margaret waits until she's 25, then that's fine and she doesn't need Liz's permission. Right. So what I think is interesting here is did Margaret know about this and that was why she went to her in the first place? Because if that's the case, maybe Margaret should be the queen. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think that would be a fair, you know. That, that seems to be the case regardless. But. So Liz, you know, uh, correctly points out that Margaret is 23. And what the fuck is she supposed to do <laughs> for the intervening two years? Yeah. The Queen Mum's solution is that Margaret and Peter need to spend the interim apart, preferably in separate countries. <sighs> A hard man is good to find. <laughs> I think we can all agree with salt and pepper on that. And a good man is hard to find. If yeah. you've got both in that Venn diagram, <laughs> Princess Margaret is not going to go gently into that good night. No. Like, and this is, it's just so needlessly cruel. Yeah. Particularly when, in my opinion, the Queen Mum knew about, you know, she has at least been mm-hmm. abetting it, if not aiding it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how are you going to be like, this is fine that you're in this relationship, and then all of a sudden be like, oh, wait, you know what? You can't be in this relationship. Yeah, the Queen Mom literally hired group Captain Peter Townsend to fuck Margaret. Yeah. Like, Oh, my God, I forgot yeah. that she did that. Yeah. So she was aiding and abetting. She was. So fuck you, Queen Mom. <laughs> I think the Queen Mom also potentially a sociopath. <laughs> She's like the girl in that story who rewarded her acolytes <laughs> in the camp for sociopath children with toys. <laughs> Known only as L to protect her identity. <laughs> in case you're wondering, this is an article in the New York Times from 2012. Just look up look up psychopath or sociopath children. You'll find it. It's freaking great. Uh, yeah. Endorsed by Up Yours Downstairs. I love it. Apparently. I love it. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, meanwhile, extra, extra, royal romance puts monarchy at risk. Such a stupid headline. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like everybody reading it. I'm yeah. Like, I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. Uh, so we see Margaret running out 
of somewhere angrily, and Liz attempts to explain that this delay is a good thing. Margaret, uh, not impressed by no, that argument. It's not. <laughs> Look, I think if we can all agree on anything, Group Captain Peter Townsend has to have like an amazing <laughs> dick, like a dick that is itself worthy of knighthood. <laughs> Can you even imagine how that would go? <laughs> Arise, <laughs> Group Captain Peter Townsend's penis. <laughs> For your loyal service to the crown. <laughs> <laughs> to the crown gina. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, yeah, Margaret asks, why did you even dangle Scotland under my nose? And this is where Liz could say something like, well, I didn't know about policy. <laughs> like, you know, she could say yeah. any, you know, that, you know, this was before our bitch of a mother and our sociopath of a freaking right. head, whatever the hell he is. Although I think it's unclear whether either Liz or Margaret knew about the age 25 limit. Right. But I'm saying, but I'm saying like Liz could just be like, I didn't know mm. that this was a thing. Right. I guess I'm just saying, I think, I think it's possible that like she did she did know uh-huh. because again the, she said may i have your permission as sovereign right. at, at that dinner so maybe liz did know about it and just thought so what i give her my permission yeah i don't know yeah but again liz could just say i'm sorry i'm i'm quite dumb <laughs> and impressionable very impressionable <laughs> uh you see how easily philip caught me under his thumb <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, Liz attempts to put her hand on Margaret's shoulder or something, and, and Margaret pulls away. And she finally says that she will wait uh, to, until 25 if they can still have their trip to Rhodesia. Which I don't even think is a fair trade, but... Yeah. Uh, but that is, nonetheless, not going to happen. And the only thing that Liz promises is that they will have some time together after the trip to Rhodesia before group captain Peter Townsend is banished. Great. End of episode. I'm sure everything's <laughs> going to be fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that does bring us to our recurring segment with our resident Rhodesian Romanac. <laughs> <laughs> that was written by Scooby-Doo. <laughs> <Ruh-ro>. <laughs> hey, it's Tom repeats history. Hi. So, I, I was going to do the, the history of Rhodesia, but the most interesting parts of the history of Rhodesia come later in, like, the 60s. Um, and so I... will wa- just have to wait for the crown season four. <laughs> yeah, or whatever. Although, I don't know what year it is now. Yeah, like, it's it's not that far into the future mm-hmm. from this show, but it is in the future. Um, and so I wound up just uh, doing my research on Cecil Rhodes, uh, the namesake of Rhodesia. And really, one of the more influential people that people don't really know about. Like, I mean, even just, you know, if you're out there and you're a woman and you are engaged or married, if you're wearing a diamond ring, it's because of Cecil Rhodes. Oh, so he's real evil. Oh, oh, that, that like, I'm just getting started <laughs> on the evil of Cecil Rhodes. Evil! <laughs> yeah, but he, he founded, uh, he's, he's really very similar to George Hurst. Mm. Um, he founded the De Beers diamond you know concern Mm -hmm. and just uh, for most of the 20th century had a monopoly on diamonds in like a worldwide monopoly 
Um, and it's actually the only reason I, I, and the De Beers company of course still exists and is still a major factor in it. Uh, I was reading through their Wikipedia article, which is, uh, interesting. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. Um, you know, definitely, there are definitely <laughs> De Beers employees involved in the editing of it. Although, you know, it's Wikipedia. It's, it's fair. Uh, but it does say when he talk, it's talking about how they're, his big rival in South African diamond mining was the premier mine and he kept trying to get it and wasn't able to. Uh, and that story is resolved in one sentence during world war one, the premier mine was finally absorbed into De Beers. And I'm like, there was definitely some like, evil shenanigans involved in that that are being hushed up by this wikipedia article (laughs) every day i ask myself yeah Uh, so cecil was born in uh he was born in bishop's stortford (laughs) well that would be the uh, source of his evil (laughs) yeah if mine is the babysitter's club uh but he was uh, in poor health most of his life and was actually sent down to South Africa where his brother had a farm for, for his health. It was thought he might have consumption. Uh, at around 17 or 18. Uh, and what most people, uh, will know about is the Rhodes Scholarship, obviously. Oh. Yeah. That's oh. Him. Yeah. Man. Man. Yeah. Well, at least my brother's applying for a Fulbright, who I'm sure was also a terrible person. He was uh, a senator from Arkansas. So, oh, yeah, yeah. definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Rhodes Scholar. So he, he didn't, I don't believe he graduated Oxford. He spent a couple terms there off and on, but, you know, was in South Africa most of his life. But he said that, uh, it, it, but he just really just like loved having been at Oxford. And he said, wherever you turn your eye, except in science, an Oxford man is at the top of the tree. Like the literal tree? <laughs> Just because they liked pranks? <laughs> Possibly. Uh, no, it means they ran everything because well, of Well, we do have that Exfordian scholar uh, Christmas tree topper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I also like that the except in science. Like, well, except for pff, science. <laughs> but they're best at everything else. Um, but yeah, he, he got involved. So he got into the mining and he got involved in politics down in South Africa. Or at the time, it was the Cape Colony. Uh, and that was the English part. And then the, the Boers lived in Transvaal, which was, those, those are both part of South Africa now, but they were separate at the time. Uh, and what he, were the Boers? They were Dutch. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I cannot believe we've talked about the Boer War <laughs> so much. And I did not at all retain who the Boers were. Yeah. I guess I should go back and listen to the early episodes of Up Years Downstairs. Perhaps so. Ah, those were the days. Um, <laughs> were they? No. <laughs> uh, so among the things that he got going in the uh, Cape Colony Parliament was the Glenn Gray Act, which uh, forced uh, black people off their lands, in particular by banning communal land ownership. All land had to be owned by a single person, which was, you know... And and he, his reasoning was that it must be brought home to them, meaning the... Um, Africans, that in future, nine-tenths of them will have to spend their lives in manual labor, and the sooner that is brought home to them, the better. Uh, he also pushed through the Native Lands Act, which restricted black ownership to 10% of uh, land in the colony, and which at the same time increased the amount of land required to be able to vote, so thereby disenfranchising most, though not all, black people. 
Um, and he was, as, as somebody said, he was, he wasn't a maximal biological racist, uh, like, you know, Hitler or, or, you know, mm-hmm. some people like that. He was a cultural racist, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, still super racist. Yeah. But, was, yeah I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, what, whether that makes a difference or not is, is up to you. I don't think, you know, I'm trying to think of what the kind of corollary to like the ends justify the means, but like, you know, the ends, uh, damn the means like, you know what <laughs> right I, like, yeah he was yeah. still aiming for essentially yeah similar stuff yeah for sure that was real articulate yes it was i think the tension headache <laughs> is wearing off <laughs> some of plenty of things is good um, <laughs> that was so funny yeah uh, yeah, and his, his justification again, the native is to be treated as a child and denied the franchise. We must adopt a system of despotism such as works in India in our relations with the barbarism of South Africa. Um, he also attempted to take over uh, Tron- Transvaal, the, the Boer territory. Uh, it went disastrously badly and kicked off the Second Boer War. Uh, so now when this happened, how did he have all this authority? He was super rich because he had all the diamonds. Was he a lord? Um, I think he was just a knight. Huh. I think he was knighted at some point, but I think that's... I just feel that's... like he's making a lot of foreign policy decisions for a dude who's merely rich. Yeah, but he, he just, you know, he was really rich and he was in parliament and he pushed hard for things. And, and you know, and a lot of, like, he, he he did eventually become prime minister of, or governor or whatever. The, he was mm-hmm. in charge of the Cape Colony at one point, but through this stuff, he was just a member of parliament. And I'm sure there were plenty of people agreeing with his things mm-hmm. that he was doing. Uh, but, so the, the Second Boer War is happening. His mines were centered in the town of Kimberley. And so he moved there specifically to force the British government to defend his town over other towns that weren't as important to his diamond mining business. Um, and so he then began expanding all through Southeast Africa. So uh, Rhodesia it covered what is now Zimbabwe and Zambia, which are just north of South Africa on the east coast of, of Africa. Um, and th- basically the way he would do it is he would talk the English into di- taking over places, making them a colony, uh, but then let him run everything, which they would do because he would also pay for all the expenses out of profit that he expected to make from mines. So it was a situation – it was very weird because he was very much an imperialist, like mm-hmm. wholeheartedly, but he was also very in favor of local control. He wanted – Well, I mean not local control, right. meaning native control. right local settler control he was into small government as long as the government was white yeah yeah that is true and he yeah he had i mean he had a vision it was an imperialist vision and it wasn't you know it 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 made sense to people at the time like it wasn't just like you know insane running around it it was it wasn't just about his personal aggrandizement i can certainly hear how effective he was right yeah Uh, despite you know who was definitely a psychopathic child? Who? This guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, he also attempted to take over uh, uh, Bekwana land, which is now Botswana, which is just north of South Africa. But some of the kings of the Swana people actually traveled to England and rallied public support for it being directly controlled by the British government and not by Cecil Rhodes. Uh, and he said, it is humiliating to be utterly beaten by these N-words. Who were kings, by the way? Um, yeah. So I mean, his yeah, his 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 point of view was summed up. I contend that we are the first race in the world, and that the more of the world we inhabit, the better it is for the human race. I contend that every acre added to our territory means the birth of more of the English race, who otherwise would not be brought into existence. 
I'm making a very upset face. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, he, he started the Rhodes Scholarship because he wanted, uh, and he specific, he wanted all English speaking people and also Germany to go there and learn how to be imperialists. And he felt that eventually, uh, America would rejoin the British Empire. Germany would join in Ireland. Everybody would all join together and become so powerful that war would become impossible due to the mighty British Empire. Um, so that's, that was the point of the rules. Silly Cecil Rhodes. War <laughs> is always possible. Yeah, so, you know, it's just worth remembering all you Rhodes Scholars out there that the point is for you to convince America to rejoin the British Empire. <laughs> so, doesn't seem to be working so far, but... So, okay, so explain, where is Rhodesia? It is, um, so if you're, if you're on the east coast of Africa, starting at South Africa, you go north, the next country is Zimbabwe, mm-hmm. and then north of that, the next company, country is Zambia. Mm-hmm. Those two together were Rhodesia. Okay. Um, and why was he in South Africa? Like, was South, but South Africa was not South Africa. Right. At that, okay. Yeah. It was the Cape Colony and Transvaal. And I think, uh, there was another, like, orange something. I think there was, like, three different colonies. That- <sighs> I think I'm just going to agree with those people in Cairo and say death to imperialists. <laughs> I say that as an American. Yeah. Sure. Uh, uh, I mean, really, I mean, he was very forward thinking in terms of where we are at with imperialism today mm-hmm. in that I think imperialism is way more a commercial enterprise than it is a government one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jesus. Yeah. Like that's, that's horrifying. Mm-hmm. I realize that most of human history is horrifying, <laughs> but man, that's yeah. just, ugh. yeah. Well, no, and just, Okay. Everybody who's out there preaching freaking white supremacy, if we're so great, how come we can't be out in the sun for very long? <laughs> like, I have never really unified this grand theory of mine, but I feel like most of white evil is, like, based on the fact that we can't be out in the sun too long, and yet we are, like, uh, we're still the best. Yeah. Like, we're the best, though. It's like, no, man. Yeah. You like, we're, we're not. We're not. Like, physiologically speaking, we're some of the worst. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Um, sorry. Sorry <laughs> if I'm alienating you. Right. I'm not. There's no white supremacist who listens <laughs> to this. <laughs> white supremacist angrily deletes his podcast. <laughs> what took you so long? <laughs> um,. There, he was never married, and there is suggestive evidence that he was gay. Um, he uh, had a uh, his private secretary named Pickering, who he was very close to, and he was badly injured in some kind of accident, and he like nursed him for like six weeks and didn't like didn't even do business or send telegrams or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and later, uh, he had a very close relationship with a man named Curry. And when Curry became engaged in 1894, Rhodes, quote, was deeply mortified and their relationship ended. Aw. Yeah. I don't know why I feel bad for this, like, <laughs> horrible person. Right. He was like the Peter Thiel of the <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he was also late in life stalked by a Polish princess. <laughs> There's not much more to say about that. Um... <laughs> <laughs> who insisted that they were engaged when, in fact, they were not. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. I'm generally not a proponent of stalking, <laughs> but I feel like this dude deserved to be stalked. Yeah, just a little. Uh, yeah, and he left funds in his will to and for the establishment, promotion, and development of a secret society, the true aim and object whereof shall be for the extension of British rule throughout the world. 
How'd that work out? Uh, well, I haven't heard of it, so I guess it's keeping it secret. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's Cecil Rhodes. Wow, what a terrible person. Yeah. <laughs> I am genuinely... It's been a while since we <laughs> talked about like a legit-ass monster on this podcast. So. Yeah, happy to cool. help. Yeah. Uh, so we cut to, uh, Margaret angrily riding her horse again. Yeah, which it's is the only great. Way, it's the only way she can express herself <laughs> and the only way she can have an orgasm. <laughs> a hawk flies ominously Uh-oh. overhead. And, uh, so she's riding out to, you know, some place. Yeah. Uh, a rendezvous. To, yeah, to meet with group captain Peter Townsend. And he says all of the po- he tells her all the postings that they've tried to get him to take. Uh, one in, uh, Johannesburg. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, I forget what the other one was. But they were like real far yeah, out, and was, he was yeah. like, "Fuck you!" And uh, he finally accepted one in Brussels, which is dreary, but at least it's close. Mm-hmm. And he says that Liz has asked him to accompany her to Belfast on, you know, a goodwill tour, which they both think is like a great, like, oh, you know, <laughs> boy, she sure is on our side after betraying us both horribly. <laughs> yeah. And Margaret points out correctly that nobody wanted Philip Mountbatten, but Liz got him anyway. I um, guess those are the perks. Of being the actual monarch. Yeah. And uh, group captain Peter Townsend says that they should head back, and she asks him to kiss her because he won't be able to back at the house. Yeah. So he kisses her, and, you know, it's like, bummer. Yeah. Uh, plane takes off. Liz and Tommy LaMustache are in there, and group captain Peter Townsend is there as well, sitting in the back. Uh, LaMustache runs down their itinerary, and he misspeaks about something. He says they're having a city luncheon at Civic Hall. Ah, yes. And Liz says, you mean a civic luncheon at City Hall? And he is very upset. Yeah. On, like, at least six different <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she asks if he's all right, and he does not like group captain Peter Townsend being with them, obviously. And Liz, like, is like, shut up, but he won't. And Liz is quite put out about She's it. She's in a right snit. Yeah. The plane lands, and there are huge crowds in Belfast to greet them, and uh, photogs are snapping photos, and they make much of group Captain Peter Townsend being there. And uh, Liz is uh, watching the TV coverage, you know, from wherever the hell she hangs out in Belfast. Right. And, uh, Presumably somewhere heavily secured. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, this is a very cheery trip to Belfast, <laughs> all things considered. Yeah. Um, but it makes a way bigger deal of group Captain Peter Townsend than Liz apparently enjoys. Uh, the women of Belfast have gone full proto Beatlemania mm-hmm. over group Captain Peter Townsend. Because everybody wants to fuck group Captain Peter Townsend. Maybe Liz is just mad that she's not the only one who finds him attractive besides her <laughs> sister. Uh, so she tells Tommy Mustache to turn off the TV. And again, is in a right snit, but for a different reason. Yeah. So outside some event, um, Liz is complaining about the media furor to La Mustache, and he says that they should relocate Group Captain Peter Townsend immediately, i.e. before Margaret gets back, and that Liz can go ahead and blame him for it. I mean, at least he, uh, you know, he's willing to accept the consequences of his actions, even yeah. when they're not his fault. Yeah. Uh, Liz says to wait 24 hours and see if things calm down. Uh, she goes outside and a whole bunch of drummers welcome her with their obnoxious drumming. Um, <laughs> it's a real orangeman's welcome, they say. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeesh. Yeah, you can have it. <laughs> and all the photographers are shouting for Townsend and not for uh, Liz. Yes. And I mean, you know, as we'll see, but I, this is awfully petty 
of Liz. It like, is very this petty isn't, of Liz. Because this isn't about, it doesn't, like, this does not appear to be threatening the monarchy. They appear to just be like, hey, Peter Townsend, we like this guy. Mm-hmm. Like, if anything, well, anyway. And didn't Liz say she didn't like being in the spotlight? Yeah. To D.O. Dubs? Yeah. Just, uh, just saying. Yeah. So, uh, the next day, this continues, and throughout the rest of the trip, it's unclear how long they are in Belfast for, but it seems like a pretty short trip to me. Mm-hmm. And we see uh, a close-up of a flashbulb going off that then oozes, so I guess it's like the corrosiveness of the... Shut the fuck up, <laughs> whoever approved this. <laughs> Uh, the whole group boards the plane, and group captain Peter Townsend goes in last and waves probably one too many times at the crowd. Yeah. Um, framed by an airplane window, Liz looks troubled. She's moved from snit to troubled. Yes, she has. Uh, on the on the plane, group captain Peter Townsend asks if Lilibet has a moment. I think this is the nail in this coffin. <laughs> you got to be real fucking careful about when you're using a nickname on somebody. Mm-hmm. Like, I really, like, cut somebody off once for calling me a nickname that I didn't think that person should be using. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he apologizes for all the rigmarole and, and thanks her for inviting him. And he's, he's sorry about missing the Rhodesia trip. He, he also at some point says in the scene something about how he and Margaret have so many shared interests. And I was just like, we both like soup and <laughs> talking and not talking. We could talk or not talk for hours. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Tommy Lamont. Maybe he is really dull. Maybe he is real dull. <laughs> yeah, so Tommy Lamustache approaches and group captain Peter Townsend fucks off. Um, Liz looks steely and Tommy Lamustache asks, asks if she's had time to think about the matter and she tells him to take care of it however he sees fit. Bad move, Amber. Yeah. Like, ugh, read the room. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's the thing is like, and again, what does it mean? <laughs> like, because one question that I have about the British tabloids becoming the way that they became, the monarchy's, like, absolute refusal to not even necessarily accommodate them, but, like, accept that it's, like, part of life mm-hmm. in a way that isn't totally begrudging. Yeah. Like, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> but, um, you know... They didn't approach this at all with any sort of eye toward public opinion. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I know they didn't have, like, BuzzFeed quizzes and stuff back then. (laughs) But, like, you know, the fact that there's an appetite for this story, like, have a little bit of wiggle room on what the monarchy means. Mm -hmm. And, again, this may be what it all means. But it's like, how do you not have, you know, some people doing some some kind of survey and being (laughs) like, yeah, is this... Is this cool? Like, do you like this? Do you like beans? Do you like George Wendt? Would you like to watch a movie starring George Wendt eating beans? Like, just anything. God. Yeah. At the London airport, Liz and Mountbatten descend, and uh, Liz thanks Peter as they leave. And uh, we see Bill the Lizard out in front of all the other reporters for yeah. some reason, all greasy. <laughs> Everybody gets into their cars, and at Buckingham Palace, uh, Group Captain Peter Townsend comes in, and he's going up the stairs, and Tommy the Mustache is looming over him from the balcony of the (laughs) next floor. It's a bit reminiscent of the time that he caught him and Princess Margaret canoodling in that foyer. Yeah. And uh, he tells them to come upstairs, where he and all of the other uh, equerry secretaries are, Mm -hmm. and... uh, Bill the Lizard pronounced it a query. Oh, really? Yeah, and I was like... Eh. Yeah. 
I'm American. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, they inform him that he must leave for Brussels in three hours. Yeah. And they assume that being a military man, packing would be an unsentimental affair. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says that was not what was agreed between Margaret and Liz, and he... He's a bit overly confident here. Yeah. Like, I'm like, haven't you learned that Liz has bizarrely no power? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, like, talk about Read the Room. It's like seven people lined up on one side of yeah. the table. Tommy Lamont's stash carefully in front of the windows so that he's hard to see. Uh-huh. Like, it's... And, uh, I mean, he's cold as ice this whole yeah. time. And group captain Peter Townsend, like, tries to appeal, you know, he calls him Tommy, but Tommy Mustache is not having it. Yeah. Uh, group captain Peter Townsend points out that the public are on their side and that they're making a mistake. Uh, Tommy Mustache schools him on titles. Yeah. And group captain Peter Townsend, I mean, he can see that his cause is lost, but yeah. he says, that's the woman I love. She is going to be my wife and I'll call her damn well, whatever I please. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? This is the most interesting thing you've ever said. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then Tommy the mustache tells him he better get out and he says, tick, tick, tick. And I'm yeah. like, fuck. No, I, I wish I remember the, the exact thing because it was, it was like, because he calls him Peter. Yeah. And it's he was very Dustin Hoffman and Hook. Yeah. And it was like, it was like plane, uh-huh. packing, yeah. clock, tick, tick, tick. It no, was just car, yeah. pack, plane, tick, tick, <laughs> tick. I yeah. may not have gotten it quite yeah, right, but. But it was awesome. Like, I'm not on I his hate side. I so much, but, but his performance is so good. Like, <laughs> yeah. his, like, the actor's performance and also just, like, the way he moves through the world. Yeah. Like, Tommy yeah. LaMustache is like, this is how it goes. Yeah. Uh, in Rhodesia, Princess Margaret is delivering the old Cecil Rhodes party line. Whew. Yeah. And, like, I didn't even, because, like, I couldn't remember after the first time. I was like, is this, like, a majority black country in Africa? I was mm-hmm. like, maybe it's some weird island. Like, <laughs> um,. But we do see, like, as this telegram is delivered and, like, all the servants there are black. And I'm like, yep, okay. Because I was like, should I call the white supremacist? Okay, yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and so she talks about how they've civilized Rhodesia. And then everybody drinks a toast to the queen and sings God Save the Queen. Which, by the way, in England, our anthem isn't good either. But your anthem is really crappy. Is it their anthem? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, no, actually, I I heard a little NPR thing or something recently about national anthems mm-hmm. that mentioned it. It's like, it, those lines don't even rhyme. <laughs> anyway. My country tis of thee kicks that song's ass. Yeah. BT dubs. Mm-hmm. I'll fight you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, the Yes, the black servants notably not singing God and Save the Queen. And this is like, okay, like I can tell what your point is here. Where was that in the episode that was largely set in Africa? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely a different feeling in Rhodesia than Kenya, mm-hmm. which I don't know if that's just partly because the decolon... Di- well, and it's different directors, too. Mm, yeah. And I think, you know, just the historical memory in Britain is different of the two of them because the decolonization happened in different ways. I don't mm-hmm. know. Anyway. They're still bummed about that empire, though. <laughs> they really are. Uh, some servants are playing bridge when Margaret storms out and says she needs to speak to her sister immediately. Uh, so we get the whole switchboard drama again, but it's more complicated this and time. And this time, the old guy is asleep at his desk. <laughs> well, he he's literally there 24-7 just in case. <laughs> <laughs> so tired. <laughs> I hope death is the end. <laughs> Full circle. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, they're trying to find Liz. Margaret's getting angry. Uh, and they finally reach her at Sandringham House. 
and, and like some poor old uh not not that old but some poor servant has to go like running yeah so we see liz petting a horse and the sandringham secretary finds her mm-hmm. and uh she's having a horsey talk with the horsey guy yeah and it's saying, you know it's her version of charlotte riley in peaky blinders uh, <laughs> yeah well actually i meant to mention this at some point but uh Maybe I did. That the, the Dick Francis, the murder mystery author, uh, he was a jockey for the Queen Mum. Oh, he I He was didn't one of her that. writers, That's yeah. Interesting. Uh, wow, he must be quite short. <laughs> <laughs> so Margaret finally gets her on the line and she is understandably furious. Mm-hmm. Liz says, things got out of hand. <laughs> and Margaret accuses her of not liking being eclipsed by group captain Peter Townsend's popularity, which I think is very accurate. Yep. Margaret says that as Liz has failed to protect her, so she will fail to protect Liz. And she says, you reap what you sow, sister. And it's like, if this whole show was like this, I would be so on board. Yeah. Like, this is actually kind of interesting. (laughs) All the people on the phone are shocked because they have heard what has happened. Yeah. And, you know, uh, Margaret hangs up on her. It's like, so much for a secure line. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for real. Uh, so we see Bill the Lizard typing some story and handing it off. Extra, extra, royal romance denied. Whoops. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the court of public opinion not in favor of this banishment. And uh, we see Mountbatten reading it as well as Clementine, uh, the only time we see Churchill in this episode. I want more Clementine. I know. She's the cowbell of the crown. <laughs> the crown bell? <laughs> And uh, also Dio Dubs. Yuck! Yeah. And so him and Wallace and the Pugs are all thrilled. Wallace, like, she barely speaks. I mean, I'm in favor of that. <laughs> that's, that, I mean, that's, I mean, and I never saw the Wallace Simpson movie that Madonna ridiculously <laughs> produced. <laughs> right. But, like, I don't think of uh, Wallace Simpson as being a woman who has a lot of lines in history. Yeah. No, I think that's fair. Uh, you know, I'm happy to disagree with Madonna on that subject, like many others. I don't know why she was so into her. <sighs> I don't either. Like, you already played one fascist. <laughs> it was Evita. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. Uh, Mountbatten says that in 48 hours it will have passed. Which, okay, if you're smart enough to know that, why didn't you all just be like, oh, this scandal will just blow over? Right. Because, again, I don't know why everybody thinks the way that the Wallace Simpson scandal was handled was so great. Yeah. Because it wasn't great. Yeah. Like, it didn't tie it up. It keeps getting brought up all the time. Yeah. And, and again, as Liz points out at some point, Margaret has no realistic, realistic pros- prospect of being yes. queen. Yes. They have a male heir. Yeah. They also have a daughter. Like, yeah. there's no way that's going to happen. Probably. Right. Like, yeah, the there is no- statistical likelihood of it happening is so small. Right. Um, yeah. And then Great Escape Friend, uh, who's named Mike, you did learn it. <laughs> I did. Well, because they said it. Right. I was annoyed, but I still prefer calling him Great Escape Friend. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Um, he's, uh, taking Mountbatten away on a perfectly innocent weekend party. It's only gentlemen. And like, anytime somebody says, like, that's when my hackles go up, I'm right. like, what hooker are they gonna kill? <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, once again, Liz, just has to hang out alone and watch Mountbatten drive off with his friend. Uh, and they have two bottles of champagne that they are presumably going to drink on the way. Yeah. So safety first. <laughs> that's right. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's a fun episode. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of, lots of drama. Yeah. I liked it. Mm-hmm. It's a good time. Yeah. 
Again, what is it all for? <laughs> right. We don't know yet. Yeah. Presumably we'll figure it out. I will say I was really like, when I first started watching it, I had a lot of momentum and I was like watching ahead quite a bit. Mm-hmm. But now I've really stalled out. I don't even think I've watched beyond the next episode that we're going to watch. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. Um, yeah. I actually, Netflix says that you haven't. So yeah. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Quit spying on me. <laughs> I can't help it. I'm going to create my own Netflix account. <laughs> I won't. I'm very lazy. <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of fun. Yeah, like, sure. What, what are you doing? <laughs> Watching Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt again, I see. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. that's been our uh, rec- recap. It's been our recap. I'll recap. I'll recap. It's like for past of Jelly Night. We'll be back next time. So until next time, up, up yours, yours downstairs. downstairs. Luncheon out.